0: It's a timeless story, a story of graciousness and grandeur. It's the story of America's largest home, of endless gardens and leisurely strolls through rolling green meadows. Come walk in the footsteps of the Vanderbilt family and experience all there is to see and do at Biltmore. Your story awaits. Plan your stay at Biltmore.com. Daryl, I know you're there. You had to be close enough to the computer to hit that record button. Stop hiding your face. What is it that you can't face? What is it that you do not want me to see? Who are are you to decide? So not only is she a lawyer who has, you know, who was called to the bar in BC and Alberta, but she's also worked in politics, real estate. She's an entrepreneur and also a community advocate. And today she is the most overqualified person to be on this show. (laughs) Okay.
1: Can you hear me? Tell me you can hear me. Are you frozen? Are you pretending to be frozen? Are you a possum? Are you <laughs> oh, a possum? Oh,
0: that was good though, right? You saw that, right? You saw that. I've been For a second watching there, you. Second you. Thought, you thought I was frozen. You know what I have to tell Not you really? first things, first things first, Daryl, hmm. Your hair, your hair looks amazing today. Okay.
1: Look at you trying to get on my good side. What are you about your, to hit me
0: with? It's no, it, it looks amazing. It looks oh. like really nice. TK: we, have a, we must have a female you know, guest. We must have a female guest today.
1: <laughs> you know you know how to get to me, TK.: It looks you fantastic. you know how to get to me. Well, it, it would look even more fantastic if it had like a big gold medal around my neck with it, mm-hmm. unlike somebody I know. Look at you, Mr. Champion.
0: Yeah. Well, did you, you know, win?
1: What the hell did you win?
0: I won like, you know, the second worst division there is. Oh, look at
1: Mister Modest here! Right? Like uh, you're a bloody tank. I, that that t-shirt you were wearing was a little tight, wasn't it?
0: Yeah, it's uh, it's padded.
1: It's padded, yeah, it's like padded. Homelander. I wear padded. On I wear the, padded,
0: padded t-shirts.
1: On the Lost Boys? Yeah. You watch that show? What no, show. but
0: but what I did over time was I I went to the gym and everybody else was lifting really heavy weights, right? And so they're all getting bigger. They're all like measuring their biceps and stuff like that. I come in with really baggy clothes mostly just talk and drink water, right? And go on Facebook. And I just start wearing tighter and tighter shirts. And so after about six <laughs> weeks, guys are like, man, you have changed. What's going I'm on? I'm like, oh yeah, you know, yeah, yeah, I've been trying some new supplements, right? And, but really the secret is Daryl, tighter shirts.
1: Tighter shirts. Well, I'll tell you, yeah. the secret for me is definitely not tighter shirts because I'll tell you, it would have the opposite effect that you have wearing a tight shirt.
0: Good. Well, at least we know, you know, what, what the secret is, right? It's all about perception.
1: It's all about right? perception. You know, it's funny. I was wondering the other day, like, some of the people that we have on the show or that we have on the show regularly uh, and that we, or at least I talk to outside of the show, I've never met them in person. I wonder how tall they are, right? Mm. And then I wonder if they wonder how tall I am or how tall they think I am hmm who was
0: it that we met that was super tall who did we meet maybe that's a fake story <laughs> i don't remember meeting anyone <laughs> but there was somebody that i met it was somebody i was pretty sure someone we had on the show we've had so many guests now but it was somebody who were like we did not expect to be as tall as they were and it was like whoa
1: i feel like i remember that too but i have yeah. no idea we've had a lot of shows we've what done, you're talking over,
0: about we've done we've done well over a hundred shows
1: Well over a hundred shows. This thing is on fire, TK. We are just growing leaps and bounds. And today, coming,
0: no, but we're growing. And today we flew out to Vancouver just to have a special guest, right? Very nice Um, in Vancouver get things get things moving forward i like uh i like not if you're in the real
1: estate market in vancouver though it's like a massacre do they do they they think that there's a massacre in ontario and i think we think that there's a massacre in vancouver but there seems to be is there a massacre going on i see all kinds of like numbers and nothing corresponds to anything right now yeah I, i can tell you it's scary out there tk
0: is it scary, though? It I is think, scary out there, TK. I think we've got it all wrong. I think we've got it all wrong. Yeah, it all wrong. Maybe this is a topic we should wait for the guest to come on. But I Maybe. can tell you personally that the inventory levels aren't anywhere close to where they need to be for a major, major catastrophic event.
1: Mm. Nowhere close, Daryl. But what is a major catastrophic event? Is twenty well, you know, percent? Is fifteen percent? Uh, is forty-eight
0: percent? You know, maybe like you know, like a few a few years of declines, or uh, you know, in twelve to eighteen months, you know, like a, a forty to sixty percent decline. Like a lot of people, you know, want to say it is going to happen. But I'm out there, and everything I'm showing has got multiple offers, and I'm trying to find lists of places to take buyers to, and there's literally nothing to show them. It's difficult to find a house to buy in Toronto.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: It's not easy.
1: No, I mean you've no, got people reaching out to you, and looking, hoping that you'll take on a, a client to help them find something. Right?
0: There's lots of those, right? And 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 it's definitely one of those situations where you got to guide people in a way to say to them, "Look, this is what you should expect," because reading in the news that you know the market is going to tank and that it's going to get them x, you know they're going to get X off the asking price or, or they should expect that prices are going to be down even lower by the end of Q3 or into 2023. Or, or I mean, do we really know that that's going to happen? I can tell you right now that prices are down well below what they were in February. And there's but how there's, much down, like I'm there's, having there's, a
1: tough time getting a reading on how down every, every are.
0: area is different, but it's hundreds of thousands of dollars in some of the nine Oh five areas. It's, you know, it could be anywhere between 20 to $75,000 on, on downtown condos, right. Depending on the price point, right. There's but like, of I'll areas. see,
1: I'll see a, I'll see a charter or a report going around Twitter saying, you know, like Bancroft is down 38% and Durham is 29% and Richmond Hill is down 32%. And here's, but then RBC comes out with a report saying that, you know, maybe prices are going to be down 13%. That's, that's Canada wide.
0: Of- yeah. That's Canada wide. Yeah, so but just know that those any of those national reports are going to be much more tame than what we're going to see here in the GTA. But regardless, the market is still alive. So whether prices continue to fall or they, they, they mellow out and, and they plateau and then they rise again in a couple of years when interest rates change again, nobody knows. And anybody telling you that they know should not be listened to right off the bat, even they're a realtor, a lawyer, a banker, or on YouTube. You know, nobody knows what the market is going to do. If we did, we would all be very wealthy and we wouldn't be sharing that information with anybody else. Okay. So the main thing is, is you have to just do, you know, look at the facts, look at what you are, you know, why are you buying? Why are you selling? Where are you going? What do you want to do? Try to keep as many of those controllables um, heading in the direction that's going to help you reach your goal, because I'm not seeing a market that is catastrophic. I'm seeing a very no, competitive think- market in certain price points. And even in the, even in the luxury stuff, I got competition on luxury properties. I got people who want to buy luxury real estate. I got people who are, you know, not not financially, uh, you know, unstable, you know, and that they're they're more than able to to pay these interest rates and to do whatever it needs to do because they have actual needs for buying and selling real estate.
1: But are people that bought two years ago, two and a half years ago, at Still elevated prices at a super low interest rate that were locked in for two or three years that are now up for renewal. Those people must be freaking out. You got a million dollar mortgage, you had it at 1% for three years, and now all of a sudden it's at five and a quarter. But let's just do the math on what you
0: just said there. If you bought three years ago, four years ago, five years ago, because your, your mortgage renewal has to be coming up now, and a lot of people do five year fixed. Let's just say that's the case.
1: Well, but let's do a two year because a lot of self employed people got stuck going into two year mortgages.
0: Very few people got
1: two year mortgages. Okay. Three year mortgages are fairly. Whatever you want to do, two or three years, it doesn't matter. Just
0: do the simple math.
1: I know. You're going to add on 80% of appreciation for. Well,
0: yeah. Like what you paid two or three years ago, you paid a price that does not exist today.
1: It's right? about to. It have, Seems like it could, it's could, about it, to. <laughs> it,
0: it, it potentially could, and so yeah. you may you may end up having you know an appraisal come in when you go to refinance at the same price that you refinance that you bought at, and the only amount of equity that you can pull out is the amount of principal that you paid down over the last three years. Your payments will be much higher.
1: Payments because are now the
0: interest the interest rates are going to go up. But you might be able to free up some equity to be able to weather the storm, pay off all those other high interest debts that you built up and that kind of stuff. Like you have options. So that's why there's very few people who, unless they refinanced their house, at like, like in February, right, and they blew all that money on something else already. And now they're going. Oh my gosh, what am I going to do? Because they put, they house, put it into the Bitcoin. Of money I owe is now what my house is worth because I mortgaged it. At, I refinanced it at one point five. It's now worth one point one, and I got a mortgage of one point one fifty.
1: Can you? Yeah. Can you imagine being someone who pulled out money from their house during all this to buy Bitcoin, and then Bitcoin just got crushed, and their house is coming down, and it's like what a disaster. There's Anyways, lots, dude. There's we, lots of people who
0: sold real estate to buy crypto. By buy crypto and just got right? pummeled, pummeled. Yeah. Oh. They leveraged on, on crypto. And the good news about the crypto crash is that it's going to show us like what works and what doesn't work in a really clear way. Like this that's what gonna, I think even that's what real estate needs right now. I
1: was going to say, yeah, but we don't learn in real estate. We, we just No, we need can. a big
0: wake up call that, oh, you know, no. going and taking a, a, a HELOC on oh, your principal no. residence to put it down for a 20% pre-construction condo is a stupid move. Like people need to know that because there's that been stupid move sell, selling them that for the last
1: few years. In right? a down market, it's stupid. But a lot of people were walking around in their Bentleys with their Rolexes going, I'm flipping assignments, baby. I'm a genius, yeah. baby. About Check it out, baby. baby. I'll teach you how to do it, baby. No right? money, and that's, down, baby. And that's trouble. That is oh trouble. Oh my God. Welcome to the world of TikTok. Okay, listen, we have our guests raring and ready to go. Hopefully, we're gonna learn something today, TK. This episode is brought to you by Landlord. This Landlord
0: software is a game changer. You upload your properties, right? You upload all the information, income, expenses, timelines, mortgage details, everything that you need to have so that you keep track of everything in your portfolio. And as you go through real-time adjustments in, you know, rent increases and uh, water bills and and tax bills and everything else, they're going to actually give you recommendations on how to make your portfolio more efficient and it just breaks everything down for me in a way that I've never seen before like Excel spreadsheets just don't cut it I don't think there's a better program or app out there for investors
1: and it's free please click the link below for your free trial offer Uh, I'm always learning are you ready it's easy to learn when you're so far down the ladder that's right when you're as dumb as we are it's not hard to be the dumbest guy in the room all the time. I was having a conversation about that the other day with a genius. And this guy felt like he was always the dumbest guy in the room. Hello.
0: Welcome. Hey welcome.
1: How How's are you? you? Good. How are you? It, wow.
0: Your background is way better than ours. Yeah. It's what's going nice, on? Hey? Nice yeah. background. Yeah.
1: Wow. I'm that's all. At- that's
0: all. That's a virtual background though, right? That's not the real deal. That's just. No, no I'm
1: i up
2: Predator Ridge.
1: I nice. see. I you see said- leaves moving. <laughs> okay. Maybe that's it's real. real.
0: Maybe it's real. Thanks. Yeah. Thanks for joining us. I you're on vacation right now.
2: Uh, yeah, I'm on it's not it's like a three-day come to the family at the cabin and I stay up the hill at Predator so I can do things like this without the chaos around me. Yes. And work. Good for you. Yeah.
0: Good for you. Yeah. Good work, yeah. You're work. a busy person. I am. Yeah. yeah. Let's Good. let's let's give you a quick intro. Okay. I'm gonna give you a very, a very brief intro here. I'm I'm getting it from your LinkedIn. So I'm hoping that the information's accurate, but I I, it is. I know that it is. It's
2: relatively up to date.
0: So, Emma, Emma May is joining us today. Okay. So, not only is she a lawyer who has, you know, who was called to the bar in BC and Alberta, but she's also worked in politics, real estate. She's an entrepreneur and also a community advocate. And today, she is the most overqualified person to be on this show. <laughs> <laughs> okay. But we appreciate you joining Officially. us. Yes. We appreciate you joining us. And, uh, you know, I'd heard a podcast that you've done before and, and I reached out to you a while back and I'm, and I'm glad mm-hmm. you can join us today. And we're going to talk about all sorts of stuff, see what direction it goes in. And Perfect. Um, we're, we're My happy favorite to have kind. you. Yeah. We're, we're happy to have you.
1: Absolutely. So, I, so I think, uh, we're, I mean, we're the Canadian real estate show, so it'd be great if we could start, I know you have a new venture and we're definitely going to talk about that because that's super cool. Um, but, I don't know if this was your first venture, but you were the founder of Charles Real Estate. Do you want to talk about that a little bit?
2: Yeah, for sure. Um, Am I in a delay with you guys or it's all good? Perfect. Perfect. Okay, awesome. Um, So, yeah, uh, I actually got into real estate when I was, I guess I'd been practicing law for about 10 years and I had two little kids. Um, My husband's a corporate finance lawyer. So uh, it was a bit of a chaotic situation around parts and i've been doing a whole bunch of community stuff at home um oh shit how do i turn that off guys anyway whatever we'll just ignore them the beeps will go but hopefully it's sunday and we don't hear it on our side i didn't hear oh you don't oh you don't okay awesome i got the all right uh anyway so um I went into real estate and I thought, you know, here's a place where I could use my legal experience and sort of negotiating skills and then also my connection to the community because I'd grown up in Calgary and I lived in sort of the area that I was in. I was like, you know, that nerdy mom that was on like the PTA and blah, 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 blah. So I kind of had a good sort of sense of where things were at. Um, And I thought, well, let's do this for a bit because I can have control over my schedule, right? Like in a way that I didn't have when I was practicing law. I mean, yes and no control. We all know as realtors, like you get the, you know, you are at the mercy of of the phone call, but it was a little more flexible than sort of trying to crush out billing, you know, endless hours. So uh, I went to a friend's brokerage and that was good. And it wasn't, you know, it was fine. And then I sort of got caught up in this whole sort of, you know, the myth around the myth, I say, but not to trash, but, um, I got caught up and I went to. trash Sotheby's.
1: away. No, we like trashing realtors <laughs> here.
2: Okay. Anyway, it wasn't, it wasn't, but I, you know, so I was like, okay, let me go to, let's, uh, let's elevate the brand. I seem to be working at, you know, some pretty high level stuff. So let's, let's go to, uh, Sotheby's. So I went to Sotheby's and it was, you know, and it was a great setup, but I was like, Hmm, I'm paying them a lot of money every year um, just for, I wasn't there for that long, but I was like, so, and I'm paying them for signage and brand. And I was operating in Calgary and in Calgary, you don't necessarily have sort of this, like I could understand it when you're in Vancouver or some, you know, you're selling something on Salt Spring Island and you've got people from all over the world looking at your stuff. But the reality is in Calgary, people who live and work in Calgary buy in Calgary. It's a very, it's a localized, uh, it's a localized real estate network so i was like i don't necessarily need this like no one from fucking miami beach sorry i'm swearing. Is calling oh, no one swearing, from miami where swearing please yeah but, let but no one from my- the,
1: don't let me be the only one throwing f-bombs around
2: <laughs> okay so no one's calling me from miami beach to find like a place you know in calgary so i was like <laughs> okay. okay um no <laughs> no really it doesn't happen uh uh so i was like maybe if I took all that money that I paid to those guys and started my own brand, um, that would be cool. And I could combine this idea of a really professional real estate service company in the way that we talk about, um, you know, when you're practicing law, right? Like there's, it's about, I'm your real estate advisor, right? Like I'm the person that you're coming to, to make a decision about this enormous uh, financial transaction that you're, that you're, probably going to do in your life one of the probably the largest for most people um and so why is it that we were not presenting ourselves in the same sort of professional realm that doctors were that lawyers were that your financial planner is or your accountant was and then how do we pair that with really beautiful um you know marketing so um, fa- and- faces
0: on the side of garbage cans that's no. not no 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 no
2: in fact we didn't i even you know we don't even have faces on cards right? I was like, wait, like, let's, let's really talk like the level of professionalism that's expected is different. Right. And it's mm-hmm. about, we need to, um, people are coming to you and it's about a relationship of trust. Um, and that the best clients are the clients that, you know, phone you because they are the, like, there this, there's this one that, there's this one, there's a couple of realtors in Calgary. There's one I love, uh, Gisela Davis is her name. And she's, I think she's like 80 something now. And the woman still is killing it a little less so now but she you know she has serviced generations of families for years and years and years and they you know and the parents put their kids onto her and then kids you know and then everybody's friends call her and it's because they trust her and the level of trust there is just so ingrained in there you know because of the service she provides and because of how good she was at her job and she was sort of this person that I really thought of as like that's the career that I want I don't want that flash if I was you know doing it forever. I don't want that flash in the pan career. I want the career that's about, um, you know, people Longevity. say, yeah. And people say yeah. call so-and-so they're going to give you, yeah. yeah referrals. They're going to give you, you know, she's going to give you the best advice and she's going to, you know, not let you do something dumb or, you know, if you do, it's going to be with all the information, uh, that you need at your fingertips. Right.
0: And, and it seems like because you're very entrepreneurial, right. Like that is, something that I think entrepreneurs do a little bit differently is they don't just follow the directions that everybody else is doing. They kind of look at this and go, this is not working. Like Daryl's very entrepreneurial one of my most entrepreneurial friends and every yeah. system out there, he can find flaws in. And it's like, well, this could be so much better. Why is nobody doing it? Right. And that becomes sort of the hallmark of the, the new business idea, right. Is like, you know, trying to make sure that we improve whatever has been existent and my opinion, cause I'm in the real estate industry but I could be wrong because I don't know every other industry is that the real estate industry is the most resistant to change like it's just very, very difficult for anything to really take hold. We've got a couple topics to talk about today that there has been some changes that have taken place recently, but like yeah. it's very hard for changes to really take hold that everyone will widely accept. And, you know, all the brokerages will all agree that this is what we should do. This is how we should train people. All the agents will start operating that way. It's like you might get 5% at the most with any new changes that come in.
2: Yeah, 100%. And uh, it's probably to our detriment.
0: Yeah, one hundred percent. It is. Yeah,
2: yeah.
1: There's a big yeah. difference between you know a lot of people who most people will go into a brokerage uh, to work and they'll find all these problems, all these flaws, and they'll think all these things and they won't do anything, yeah. right? Yeah, they won't do not, anything. And then there's people the entrepreneurs, like, right? Like yeah. you who will go and go. Hold on a sec. I can do this better. Um, and we, we 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 forget about all the pain that we are about to put ourselves through for years <laughs> and misery. Yeah. To get to that vision that we saw years ago, right? So, so yeah. talk about that. I mean, it, you you make it sound like okay, I was a lawyer and I just started this brokerage, and one thing led to another. A couple and, of kids and, on the side, right? No you know, my yeah. husband's a lawyer, and nothing's going okay. on around here. And now, <laughs> now we're here. So, so yeah. how was the process? Like, what was it easy to start this brokerage? And it, was it easy to get other people in line with? I mean, it seems to me you have kind of like this white glove. Charles the butler kind of idea service right to, to, to yeah. help the clientele which is wonderful branding I mean hopefully it, it, your branding matches the reality because a lot of yeah. times we find you know branding is branding and reality is reality but you have this vision years ago and nobody else is kind of doing it around you and you're thinking to yourself this is really stupid like there's a lot of people like me that would really love this service right Yeah. And and so what about from that point to now, like, how long did this take to get really humming? And how long, you know, how painful was it? Was it painful? Are you a super? Are you a superhero? Uh,
2: No, uh, I did it in a way that I mean, so I had at the time, um, I was introduced to my former business partner, he's gone off and done some other stuff, but uh, Jeff Jeff Jackson, and Jeff had uh, a brokerage already. So he'd sort of done the whole, he'd set up a brokerage, but it was like us; there was like three people there, but he was a broker. The infrastructure was there, right? So in terms of like the sort of the, you know, the regulatory components and all of that stuff, we had that covered pretty quickly. And so I went to him and said, look, this is the vision, I think we should sort of rebrand this. I bought into into his brokerage. Then we did a deal around that. Um, had a couple of other partners come in as well, and then you know it was kind of a, it was quite frankly like slow to some degree. When I started it, it was like let's just build this platform for me, right? Like I mean, it, whatever, and if and we'll see what we'll see where it goes, right? Um, and over time. Uh, I think we're at like 70 some realtors now. I I I will say like for the past several years, Andy Jackson's been running it. And so he's our current broker and he's the one who's sort of like really boots on the ground now. I mean, like I've been super focused on the new project for the past couple of years. I still do real estate, I still transact. I did a deal a couple, you know, I did a couple deals last week um with some with my business partners there. But so he's the one who's been sort of carrying that. But but it was we went from the, you know, and the, and the rebrand, I hired a marketing, like I hired an ad agency and we really dug into like, what, what are the core values of what we want to do? And, you know, we also stayed true to the idea that, um, we didn't want everybody. Right. Like I didn't want, you, you, can't be exclusive and be massive at the same time. Right. Like, uh, that's not the way it works. So people sort of either are fit with us or they're not, um, And that's okay, right? And I think I think you have to be prepared to say no more than you say yes, right? You can can Um, see
0: why you can see why brokers are reluctant to say no, right? Yeah, because the traditional models, right? The traditional models are just like collect those desk fees, yeah, desk, you know, collect your broker fees, 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 marketing, just get bodies in in desks and have people working, and you know, you make money as a broker.
2: Yeah, and I mean, one of the things is is like all of us. And broker, like our brokers and our owners all trade, right? So, um, and that is something that's a bit different, I think. In some in a lot of places, that doesn't happen. So, we talk, we talk about that with people who come on board. And I think the difference with that is like we are in the game, uh, we're there for our own reputations as well. We're not just there to like you know feed off other people, right? Like, that's that's not why we're doing this as well. It was like, no, how do we create something that's actually a better platform for ourselves as well? And then when you come in you know, then you're part of that. Right. And you get the benefit of that. And, and we try to do things really as a, you know, as sort of this community, you know, and be really, really supportive and be really collaborative with each other, as opposed to being competitive. Obviously there's competitiveness, right. But, Mm. um, but, you know, I'll also say like the Calgary market's been a different market to be able to build something like this in. Um, and we've had a completely different experience than any of you guys have had, right? Like out in Toronto and Vancouver, which can like, you know, from our perspective has been completely disconnected from reality. <laughs>
1: how, how, do you, how do you feel about that? When yeah, look? Let's hear the outside we ta- perspective.
0: We were, we were talking about that at the beginning, right? Daryl said, yeah. Vancouver, people look at Toronto and think like, oh, those guys are this way. And we look at Vancouver, but how does Calgary look at the Vancouver and Toronto market?
2: Uh, just completely disconnected from reality for many years, Mm -hmm. right? Like it's just been, um, uh, you know, we went through this period of time, basically like 2014, um, you know, the, uh, the oil price tanked um, and along with that, you know, uh, the Calgary and the Alberta economy. Um, So you don't go from $70 oil to like $20 oil and not have like a massive impact on, on everything. And we, so you know, 2014 comes around and I think at the beginning, and I was still working for Jim Prentice at this time, um, you know, we saw, we saw it coming. Right. And so he ran a campaign basically around this whole idea of, uh, you know, this oil price crash is coming. And we were talking to bankers around the world and they were all like, look, this isn't a V shaped crash. Like it used to be, this is a long, you should, we don't see price recovery here anytime soon. Um, and yet, it really hadn't hit the public yet. So like the bankers knew, all the people knew who were doing deals that this was gonna be really awful and painful, but that hadn't translated yet into the job loss um, that you would then see, you know, happening over the course of the next several years, right? And so we went through then this whole period of price discovery, right? Like, so basically in 2015, like the market just seized up and nothing happened, right? Like you could, like you'd list stuff and nothing right? Just Mm -hmm. silence. And then, you know, you spent sort of really that whole year in this period of like, okay, so what is the price? I don't fucking know. Um, Who's willing to pay what? And then, you know, you slowly sort of say, and then prices obviously came down, people held on to a lot of product, lots of people walked away from the idea of sewing, put things into the rental market, vice versa. And now we're seeing, of course, the inverse of that, right? Which is that all of those houses for that period of time um, that were basically in the rental market, everybody's like, time to exit i'm gonna sell and now we have like no rental inventory uh but you know so so such
1: a different perspective i mean what what was happening here during that time period weren't things booming that
0: was the beginning of our yeah
2: yeah. that
1: was the beginning of the real like you know
0: acceleration on prices 2015 it just took off
2: yeah. Right. So you guys then were like, you know, it seems like 20% year over year, right? Like it was insanity. And, and, uh, and You guys
1: are getting buried alive.
2: We're so crazy
1: dead. too. Like you guys are the ones who produce everything for God's sakes between, <laughs> right? Like in Alberta and yeah. Saskatchewan, literally, if we're if we don't have you guys, we don't produce much here. Right. And, and and they like their prices should be going bananas, right? They should, should have be the like shops yeah. everywhere. Everybody should be flocking over there. Buy a house for three fifty in Saskatchewan and work on a farm and have a wonderful life and money left over. But no, everybody comes to Toronto and pays one point eight billion dollars for a, a, a four hundred square foot condo.
2: Yeah, I know. Actually, you know, I think my big like one of my big sort of price. Shocks was I was walking. I did a. Uh, it was actually I was doing a pop up with the new business. or so I'm jumping around, but I was walking through the annex, right? And, um, <laughs> you know, I was like, oh, I wonder how much this is, right? And I was like, six million dollars or something for this townhouse, and I just like my brain was like. It just could not compute it, right? Like I was like, okay, so here that might be like 2.1, right? If that. If that. Um, mm-hmm. and, and I just like, I, I was like, okay, so I could have my house in Calgary, then I could buy a place like in Maui and I could have like a flat in London for that.
0: And yeah, a like, pretty nice I- car, probably but you won't too. have a townhouse in the annex. No. <laughs> I won't
2: have a townhouse in the annex, right? <laughs> that's the key. And I, was, the, like, I, and I key. was kind of like, and I was like, I, I mean, so on, you know, on the global perspective, I was like, I just don't get it.
1: Yeah. So that's the annex. I mean, that's pretty much downtown Toronto, right? Me and my yeah. family, when we need something to do, we'll go for like a nice long drive, and we play a game in the car. When we see a for sale sign, it's like, guess how much this is for sale for, right? And we're all shooting out numbers based on absolutely nothing. But there's never been a time where we weren't like, holy shit, like how the hell is this worth that much money? Like we were just in a, like a outskirt, beyond outskirt, me and my wife. And we were walking around, we were on a little vacation. And I was like, who is paying this here? This is insane. But meanwhile, somehow people just keep... Coming up with the money,
0: yeah, and 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 it is about it is about the attitude. So 2014, people in Calgary, right? They took a hit and they took they took a lot of pain, and so they they knew that their business was suffering. They maybe they got their their job was laid off or their friends or their. They you knew yeah. somebody who because the whole like economy oh. was based on those oil prices and gas. But so you've yeah, seen
1: it time you, and
0: time you again. Knew, right? Yeah, you knew somebody, and then yeah, that's the other thing too. Is you it's know the, to be repetitive weary. of the cycle in, yeah. in Calgary you're kind of like all right like i know where this is going where yeah i mean the
2: 80s right like i grew up in the 80s in calgary and literally in like 86 like you know people lost like it was like oh how many people lost their houses a ton like this was like Mm -hmm. a this was the thing it was like oh so-and-so's in the oil and gas industry and you know like all the geophysicists and stuff like went to nothing right and people like handed that we actually have a we have a thing here um uh, yeah, you you don't even think
1: of those geophysicists and all those kind of jobs too that go with it, right? You just think of yeah. miners and like.
2: Yeah. Oh no, it's like it's a very technique like the engineering, the engineering jobs, high right? High paying jobs. That yeah. High paying, yeah, high yeah. paying jobs, right? And yeah. and the. And they all handed the keys back. One of the big like sort of entrepreneurial cycles of the Calgary industry, right, is like guys with so you have like this little team of like you have like a geophysicist and an en- drilling engineer and guy, and and there's sort of like four or five of them and they come together, a CFO, and they, you know, they buy some land and they prospect it and they're like, Oh, there's a thing here. They, you know, work together to like create a um, they convince somebody to drill it or they get some or they drill it themselves and then they, you know, take the money and they flip it and then they move on to the next one, right? So this is sort of like the 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 cycle, right? And so guys were just getting hung out on all of these things, right? So it was like, they, they were, that they was happening then. this also, yeah, and yeah. this happened again, you know, and um, this just happened again in 2014. So it is something that we've seen. I think before though, we've seen these sort of like price spikes, right? Um, it comes up and down really quickly, but this was like one of the longer, more prolonged ones. And the pain associated with it was, you know, really, really deep.
0: And, they're, so, and so, they're, so they're more cautious, right? Because we're on a 30-year bull run right now. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And so, you know, that's why everyone's kind of like, really, like, I, I'm talking to sellers right now and prices have dropped significantly since three, four months ago. And they just can't believe it. They just can't wrap their heads around it. They're saying, no, if I just wait till September, prices will go back even higher. If I just wait till this date, they'll go back because they just, they're not, they're conditioned that prices will only go up. And I believe people in Calgary don't have that conditioning.
1: <clears throat> but that's been the cycle here. The they, cycle they... has been like boom and then fly back to the moon.
2: Yeah. And I mean, on some, you know, for some perspective, like I articled in Vancouver, my husband's originally from Vancouver, you know, and so we, like for that time, we we're also like, oh man, if we'd like bought a house in Vancouver, imagine where we would be now, right? Like, um, and we kept saying, how can these prices sustain themselves? I don't get it you know but it kept going um sure. and you know i'm like and it's funny because even like we were watching over the years even like at the law firm like it's like you get guys were getting paid more in calgary so not only were you getting like not only is the like not only are the incomes higher but like the cost of living is like so much less yeah. um it was just a really hard thing to you know wrap your minds around and i'm like yeah. i love vancouver i think it's really awesome but like you know in the winter it's not la like let's
0: be real. It's it's (laughs) totally psychological. Like there's just no, there's no like fundamentals that support. I don't understand. I'd I'd get it right. Like if Vancouver or Toronto's incomes were all that much higher, then it's like, okay, like no problem. Like, you know, property taxes lower, like whatever, Yeah. all those things would account to having the justification behind these prices, but it doesn't, there's no, there's no equation where it makes sense that living in Toronto is going to be a better decision for you and your family other than you think it's cool.
2: Yeah. And I mean, to be fair too, right? Like when the oil, when the oil patch, like Calgary hasn't done, hadn't done a really good job of reinventing itself too. Right. Like, I mean, I've always sort of been at this mindset that look, you know, climate change is real. Um, There is pressure to do things differently. Uh, We've, you know, so while we still need, the world may not want oil and gas, but the world still needs oil and gas. Right. And so, and so we will, you know, I think we will get to the point where we're way better at managing carbon emissions. I think we're going to get to the point that we probably do have way more renewable resources and Calgary really should be the center of that for this entire country, right? And I think, and we are actually now building ourselves up to, to that, right? Like there's incredible programs here, like a friend of mine, Kevin Krauser, is running this program called Avatar Innovations and they have actually done a deal with like Suncor, uh, CNRL, Shell, uh, Sonovas, like all the big guys and they pull teams of engineers out of there so there's these young engineers who have ideas about how to like do carbon emission uh, reduction stuff and they pull these teams out and incubate them at avatar and then those engineers actually can own the IP of what they develop and the big guys then have the option to like finance it once it works out right and so that's a, ne- and so this guy's now running like Thirty teams of engineers who are yeah. who are working right now on, like how do you reduce like the emissions process in the in the extraction like from every all of it the entire it's thing innovative yeah yeah, yeah so so the that's a new
1: industry like, right like that's a, it's
2: a totally new industry yeah. so we can do both we can walk and chew gum at the same time right like right. we like that is screw what it do. up
1: and fix it simultaneously
2: yeah, I mean, this is this is like the you know we're going over there and begging like Saudi to pump more oil and and I mean they just said I think it was like I read something yesterday that they are literally uh, they've just now said that they can produce I think a max like they've hit their maximum of what their actual export or what their actual drilling capacity is and I think it's a lot less than what people thought it was um, long term. Why don't we, so, we just
1: drill or make like build some refineries in in Alberta? Like why don't we just well, there refine are some,
2: it but and- they take they take a. Uh, They take a long time. The tar sands
1: ones are really
0: expensive and and yeah. I mean,
2: it's these are like this is the problem with this stuff, right? Is like all of this stuff takes you know ten to fifteen years to build out, and then there's this argument of like, well, in ten to fifteen years, what is the what is the could have done
1: it already with that kind of a time frame?
2: Yeah, but we have to look forward, right? So it's kind of like. The pipeline stuff is, 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 is a difficult one to wrap your mind around though, because Eastern Canada still imports a ton of oil from, you know, overseas and we're like, can't get Alberta oil to it. Now it's also different kinds of oil, right? Like the tar sands oil is not, um, light crude, right? So it's, it's, uh, we do produce some of that, but not in the same way. So the tar sands oil is the stuff that it's heavy oil. It produces steel it produces, um, you know, it's the stuff that runs like shipping tankers and things like that, right? So there's a debt, and the only other competitors really are like Venezuela in in that space. So exactly. so we, yeah, so we do have it. Venezuela, yeah, exactly. whatever. Yeah. So we do have it. So you can buy like, all we, their
0: oil for like $80. You know, it's, dollars.
2: it's not like we're necessarily gonna, you know, re- we can't replace Saudi oil, right? Like that's not, that's not gonna happen necessarily mm-hmm. overnight. But the fact that we still can't get it to the Eastern, you know, Canada without putting there. on a train yeah. is it's ridiculous. My, my question
0: to you is this, cause you worked with uh, provincial uh, politics yeah. as well. How does the federal government favor the rest of Canada compared to Alberta? Like how do Albertans look at, you yeah. know,
2: I'm in this weird place right now. Right like, politically, politically, I am, um, I'm kind of this homeless creature, right? Like I, uh, I,
1: the there's a, lot
2: of, there's a lot of stuff that I lean liberal on, right? Like I mean, I think their childcare policy is genius. Um, and I think it's actually what could be framed as a real conservative policy, right? Like it's saved families like thousands of dollars across this country and it's going to get women back into the workplace in a way that um other stuff hasn't. So like so on a lot of stuff I'm like, yes, go. Um I think, you know, climate change is real. We've got to figure out a way to deal with that. Um, I think I wish the conservatives would get on with a pricing strategy, like a carbon tax strategy. I think we need to, I think conservatives need to get out of their own way to some degree. Like climate change is a problem and the world is concerned about it. Like, and we have to not pretend like somehow it's not or be like a denier in that. I mean, there's the, the, but the political reality of it is that, you know, Europe still needs oil and they're getting it from Russia. (laughs) <laughs> you know so we it, like it, yeah so, so yeah, we secretly, we do, of, just the foil. three of us know only the three yeah of us know. yeah right so I mean I feel like there's this um I'm disappointed that you know it just goes to the extremes right away right and it's so easy for people to sort of like rile everybody up about stuff and it's you know and it's just like, I mean, Danielle Smith is running for leader of the UCP in Alberta right now. And she's like on some whack job doctor show saying that you can control cancer. Right. If, and, and that it's really just your fault if you get it. And it's like, Jesus Christ, people like this is, this is not, this is not helpful to our political discourse. Right. (laughs) So, um, yeah, but, but yeah, definitely. Like it's been a hard time and the, uh, you know, buying into how do you get pipelines built in this era? Right. I mean, I think actually now companies like Enbridge and stuff are stepping up and they're doing the things that they need to do in terms of like actually building partnerships with indigenous communities across this country, like real partnerships, economic partnerships. Mm -hmm. Um, there was a deal that, uh, that, you know, my husband worked on a couple of years ago, where uh, the Fort Mackay First Nation actually became a real economic partner in the East Tank Farm deal with Suncor, which means that they actually like, they didn't get given anything. They had a bond offering that was done through like Royal Bank of Canada, and they brought it together. And they are now like actual owners um, and participating in the entire process. So, yeah. you know, and you're going to have you know, on the, on the, on the, on the indigenous relations issue, you know, there, there is no homogenous answer that that fits everybody, right? The different bands have different, they are different nations and they have different perspectives on how this is going to roll. And it's up to, it's, you know, incumbent on industry now to figure out how to work with those bands as though they are individual nations. And, you know, and treat them as, as such. It's like, yeah, this is your new negotiating partner. <laughs> And, and So that's a big, that,
0: that's a big tool. So I guess that would bring more resources. So on a federal level or or private side, whatever it is to be able to yeah. actually get these pipelines, because you've mentioned them a few times, these pipelines are a, a big answer to bring stability to Alberta. Uh,
2: yeah. I mean, I think we probably got quite a bit of pipeline capacity. Like I was disappointed that, you know, Kenny came in and Rachel had bought or Notley had bought, um, you know, she'd done a deal to like secure a whole bunch of train rails because we couldn't get you know, that's a funny thing. Like Alberta NDP are actually very pro-jobs, which means you're you're not, I wouldn't say you're pro-oil, but you're oil realist, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and so she'd actually done this to, deal to secure a whole bunch of like train capacity and rail capacity, because if you don't have pipelines, guess where, guess how oil gets to market? It gets on a train, right? Um, and so, you know, and then he canceled that thinking, I think that he could like get Keystone or a bunch of these other things through, but those are also subject to you know, um, not just our decisions here, right? Like there's nothing we can do to control Biden, um, you know, choosing whether or not to go ahead with, with Keystone. And quite frankly, like even if Biden had said he wants to go ahead with it, I think it would probably get caught up in the U S court system for a long time anyway, because the, you know, the anti-pipeline, um, lobby is not just somehow strong in Canada. It is equally as strong in the U S and we're seeing that with like line five and with, stone and all of these other things right so this isn't somehow this like uniquely canadian issue right much like inflation this is not some uniquely canadian issue these are global issues and how we deal with them um they're fucking hard right these are hard mm-hmm. problems to get through and there is no magic solution right like i mean it the- seems like
0: they don't work on them hard enough it seems like these issues get buried really quickly they, they get brought up around elections like what would be 25% of the amount of oil that the Maritimes are buying from, from Saudi Arabia? Like if we could just drive, drive some revenue into Alberta from one of these pipelines, like I'm sure it would be a massive, I'm sure it's like billions of dollars.
2: Oh yeah. right, Huge. Yeah. It's no, like, it's a, hu- it you know, would be, why a is huge... this not a
0: priority? Right. Like it doesn't, st- well, don't it is feel a priority, like priority,
2: But then you have to go through, like we have now, obviously, um, you know, changes to the regulatory regime that the Liberal Party brought in, in terms of like, I think it was Bill C-69. I, I might get my be getting my bills mixed up. There was one that was like, anyway. Uh, but it, this was about, you know, changing the environmental assessment process and how you went through that. And there was huge pushback in Alberta about it. And um, people like Martha Hall Finley, who was a Liberal, ran for Liberals Now, is a senior leader at Suncor. You know, it's like, no, there's better ways that we can go about doing this, guys, and this is punitive to Alberta. So, you know, um, yeah, we do get caught up in this in this thing. Like climate change is a great thing for people to run on. It sounds really easy. as a problem to fix. We're just going to shut down oil. Um, we now see that like that is not a political reality in the short term. Uh, short term being ooh ten to thirty years, <laughs> uh, right? So um,
0: long term um, oil production as a platform is not a very good political strategy.
2: No, it's not. Yeah. Like let's be real. Yeah, that it's makes not, sense. It's, okay, it's that's not, not in around, Calgary
0: for sure. Not in Alberta. Well, yeah.
2: Yeah, on well, I mean, any not federal a,
0: level either, right? So it's yeah, it's away I mean, from it's not, the climate change.
2: Yeah, mode. and and yeah. and there's nothing like climate change is real. That this yeah. stuff is happening, the impacts of it are being felt. So um, but the problem is is we are inherently selfish human beings. Like humans are selfish. We are not going to somehow, when you give us something, we're not gonna say, Oh, I don't want to fly anymore, you know what, because of climate change, or I'm not gonna drive, or I'm not gonna, you know. We will, if, if you give us ways to make that decision that doesn't take something away from our quality of life, then we will do it. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's why it's incumbent on us to invest in the techno- technolo- technological side of this. This is like tech, I truly believe that the answer to this is human ingenuity, right? The answer to this is not that we just stop, that we shut down modern life, which actually in many ways has like made life infinitely better for billions of people across this planet, right? Like energy, like access to energy is the best thing on the face of the planet. Um, It's made everything better. You want an incubator for your baby when they get sick? You have it, you need energy, right? So Mm -hmm. energy is- Clean energy is
0: like 10% of our total needs. Like it's never gonna happen. Yeah.
2: I wouldn't say it's never going to happen. I think actually it probably can happen. Uh, 100%, I think hundred percent
0: though, from non like, uh, like uh, non-renewable I resources. Will, I
2: think what will happen is we'll end up with stuff like there's this really cool technology now where you can, um, extract, you know, it's, it's almost like a photosynthesis strategy where you can actually extract CO2 emissions from the atmosphere and create starches and plastics out of it right mm, okay. and so you so so i mean when you take things like that I saw it's, that
1: it's like a big dream catcher or something right
2: yeah yeah so, and so as so, opposed to
1: stopping co2 how to utilize yeah. co2 after the, turn after it after into the bricks it's crazy
2: exactly so how do yeah. we do things like you know it, uh, make the carbon internal combustion engine better or move to you mm-hmm. know moving more to sort of electrical which that is run off of, sense. which is run off of like hydro i mean let's be real the you know the uh, energy infrastructure in much of canada is very clean energy already right like uh hydro wind power like a ton of this stuff is actually already operational um alberta's moving a ton to wind. we've shut down a whole bunch of coal producing stuff so so these moves are as as you know is that, as is much that why as we're getting the a-
0: carbon tax credit uh everyone's getting that uh family yeah. Uh, rebate
2: yeah Yeah. So, so those and, and things like price on carbon does work, right? Like I would like to see that stay in place and then have, you know, and then really have that money go towards like targeted stuff in terms of like these, the, you know, the research and the innovation that we need to actually solve this problem. Cause that's, what's going to solve this problem is innovation. Mm
0: -hmm. I like it. I like it. So you think taxing then carbon tax on individuals, like on our gas and all that kind of stuff, or do you think on the corporate side?
2: Well, I think well, I think both. I mean, it is on both, right? Yeah. And so, I, and I think on the individual. people don't like the okay carbon you, on the individual you,
1: side.
2: Yeah, but if you build it into, uh, if you build it in, like most people get a rebate, right? Like 80, 80 to 90% of Canadians will get a rebate on that. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's actually not a, you know, when you actually look at it, like Preston Manning was one of the guys who was like originally for the carbon tax, right? Like um, this is a solution that was proposed by Republicans in the US. Like, so the price on carbon is actually a very market-driven, um, theoretically conservative solution if you if you structure it properly, right? So that's, I think that's one of my frustrations around this is like, there's lots of great ideas, but we get caught up in the sort of partisanship around this stuff. And um, why
1: can't we just vote on, the actual ideas rather <laughs> than the the political side that the person represents like why can't it just be a twitter poll <laughs> right? yeah i know
2: i know what? Right? That's
1: the, like an amber you know, alert I on your phone just, just yes like, or no here everybody we're voting on this now put in your vote
0: yeah
2: <laughs> yeah well i think also most you know a lot of people are not um informed voters right and that's a uh, and that's a that's another big part of it,
0: right? We can't YouTube leave these major TikTok. decisions in the hand of the public, Terrell. I, I <laughs> but feel major, terrible. These it's are terrible major decisions. Say, but, Build a yeah. pipeline. Send it across the whole country. Let, yeah. let me ask Here's you a question,
1: with. TK. I feel like I feel like, and I could be wrong, like in Toronto, me and my wife will go for dinner or we'll go out with friends and we'll be sitting in a restaurant and it takes like maybe three minutes for one of the tables on either side of us to talk about real estate. But I feel like in Calgary, like, do you guys talk about oil and energy more than real estate? If you if you're sitting in a restaurant, is it like two seconds before they're talking about the new well opening up or yeah. the, the guy new, that yeah. just went bankrupt? A that they just from, hired over at right. the plant. Yeah, a
0: thousand percent. What's bigger yeah. there?
1: Is it energy is a much bigger conversation? Because most of the stuff you're talking about is like way out of my realm of. Forget about expertise, like interests. Like in Toronto, if we're not Sorry. talking about, no, 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 I th- no, it's all important. And it all, it all matters. Yeah, we brought I'm just you saying for like, this, these reasons. Yeah, don't no, worry. no, no. I'm just saying like every conversation here in Toronto is real estate like or tech about real estate or something about real estate or a bond Mm -hmm. yield in relation to interest rates and like unemployment that relates to real estate but you guys it's like it's all energy driven the 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 real estate market is like a derivative of the energy market for you where here it's like is there anything else going on in toronto
2: Mm -hmm. Well, I mean, that's one of the big things, right? Is that like the real estate market has actually been like, you know, a huge component of our federal GDP. And it's kind of like, is it, what does it do? It's transactional. Like, is it, is it accretive, right? Like, is it bringing in, like you said, right? Like the production of, of things, right? And so, yeah, you're right. We talk about totally different things here like of course everybody's like when you're and you know when you're really
1: just fascinating how's
2: the market like if you don't have an answer to how's the market you're screwed but in alberta the answer to how's the market is what you see oil prices it's (laughs) what's happening in the energy markets right and what are the and what's the um you know what's the macro perspective on all of that right it's my that's what drives. so
1: you watch price per barrel and you're like Either oh like, yeah. Yeah. Or like,
2: oh, good, it's going to be a couple of
1: good months now.
2: Yeah, totally. Right. Like really? it's all about. Yeah, it's all about what's the oil price at, what's natural gas at. And then the other I mean, the other component of that, right, is that when the oil price and the natural gas price are high, the Alberta treasury booms because we get like, I think we're in line for some almost like they're projecting like between something like, you know, 10 or 15 and 20 billion dollars. Right, and let me to put that in perspective. The income tax income into the Alberta Treasury is eleven billion dollars.
0: Wow what What about right? the provincial debt in Alberta?
2: Uh, I think it's. I don't know what it is right now. It's, Com- not compar- bad. it's not compared compared to other. Oh, provinces. yeah, yeah, nowhere near. Um, yeah. obviously, Ontario, we went into, we we're just like you know. The problem is though here. is that we finance everything based on royalties, right? So government has for years and years and years been like. Oh, well, we've got like, it's like a, it's a slush fund, right? So everybody's Mm -hmm. been, you know, and this is what sort of my former boss was talking about when he said, you know, look in the mirror. It was like, well, we didn't need to pay. We didn't need to have a a PST because we had royalty income. We could have low taxes because we had royalty income. Albertans still expected the same or more luxury level of services from their government. Right. So um, it wasn't like we were somehow, financially brilliant or austere. It was just that like we were living off Daddy's oil trust fund for mm-hmm. a long time that supplemented our income. Right. And then of course when you go through these routes and that dries up, you're fucked. Um and then, you know, it, it, in many senses, like Notley kind of came in at the time when, you know, she she became the face of the recession through quite frankly, what was no fault of her own, because it was just, you know, all of a sudden there wasn't this income there
1: why isn't calgary like dubai like why isn't it just crazy riches and oil people (laughs) everywhere (laughs) right i think it is i'm I'm serious like it doesn't last very long but if you live in calgary you're like we're getting fucked here by the government you guys in toronto and bc are getting all this and all that you guys do nothing we do all the heavy lifting right and we get nothing out of it we got to produce our own funds we got our own slush fund that's running out now we need we need funds over here. We're driving this thing, guys. But how, yeah. how how come it's not like that here? How come there aren't princes walking around with their <laughs> you know, with their rules yeah. rolls? Well, Diamond one these, diamond I'm crested rules.
2: I'm a giant fan of like state of uh of city states because I'm also kind of like, you know, we shove all this money into like it's like, oh God. So that yeah, the cities do really power you know, this please do power Alberta. Like, like Calgary is a, uh, Calgary is a center of excellence when it is, when things are humming. And, and, and I think Calgary's finally getting its mind around. Um, in many ways, I don't want to say it's PR because it's both. Um, but when the world doesn't want what you're selling it, um, you've got to figure out a way to talk about it better. Um, mm. And There's also been this sort of sense of entitlement in Calgary and in the oil and gas industry, which is, you know, we don't need to do anything differently because the world just needs our oil. And then, you know, climate change initiatives come along. um, People are pushing back and people are saying, you know, like I would say a lot of young people who live in urban centers especially across Canada are like, no, we don't want oil. We don't want your dirty oil, you know, while they're on their phone and getting clean energy and driving and flying and, you know, enjoying all the benefits of that. Um, And so we haven't done a good job of reconciling and talking about the challenges that all of these things sort of present. Right. And that the fact of the matter is, is that you don't just shut things down overnight. And also we haven't set ourselves up in a way to talk about how all the incredible stuff that is happening on the ground in Calgary about how we are actually part of the solution, right? And and for a long time, I don't think we were necessarily part of the solution, but I think the past four years have really set up innovation centers and structures within, you know, our industry here to be like at the forefront of what's happening in terms of like, clean energy and clean technology and carbon emissions, right? So not shutting down, but like, okay, so how do we get, how do we get this oil out of the ground in a cleaner way? Right. How do we then take this stuff and actually like, because oil stands like you can actually make carbon fiber out of the emissions that come out of like some of the, you know, so, so what are we doing with this to create new industries here? Right. And mm-hmm. we, that was, that's the innovations, because I think we did while we're entrepreneurial. You got lazy, right? Like you pump some oil, you get paid. And then, shit happens, the world changes, nobody wants it. Um, So how do we actually then say, okay, well, how do we become part of this and actually truly become part of the solution? Um, And that's where I think the magic, you know, that's the other thing is we all wait for, you know, entrepreneurs and you'll notice it like we don't wait for government to solve the problem. Like a bit like with my new project, people are like, Oh, aren't there a whole bunch of money for like, you know, female entrepreneurs and this and that. And I'm just like, I'm not fucking sitting around filling out like years and years of forms to get some (laughs) grants. Like, fuck you. You know what my, you know, how I'm getting income. I'm going to sell shit.
1: Yeah. Maybe produce (laughs) something somebody
2: wants. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Right. Like, so, so, you know, it's also incumbent on us to, um, you know, smell what's happening in the world and get a hell and get in front of it, right? Like you can't just wait for government to like, can they get in, the, in in your way and overly regulate you and all of this kind of stuff? Yes. On the flip side, you have to, so you have to lobby and work towards making better changes in that sense. But you also have to then get out of your own way, right? Like Get out of your own way. And yeah, actually
0: have the systems in place to, to facilitate yeah. those changes. In my head, yeah. I was thinking about these PR, like, messages about like you know alberta oil like trying to make it sound nice but the answer is not the pr side it's about actually making it more sustainable and actually providing solutions to the actual problems that exist and the pr will take care of itself
2: yeah right? and i mean some of the pr has been really shitty like people are like we have the cleanest energy in the world and it's like dude we actually don't it's easy I've to say right like so so i think crap Yeah, like I think we, you know, when you actually look at like Norway and the emissions that like how much emissions come out of sort of some of of what they're producing now it's a different product, right? It's a it was easier like it's deep offshore drilling, it's a different product than like mining, but we've got to do better. So, I mean, they should really just be saying, this is how much carbon emission, this is how much went into it before. This is where we're at now. We're gonna and get this it is down. our goal. Yeah. And we're yeah. going to get, and we're getting it down and we are doing all those things, but you can't, yeah. but just saying we have the cleanest, like, that's just bullshit. So don't yeah. say bullshit charge you 2%
0: um, and now there's less of it.
2: Yeah. Right. So just, yeah. say, so, so we've got to be more transparent and we've got to stop the, you know, the BS rhetoric. Are we, are we perhaps, are we the most, um, you know, ethical, like, I hate that because like all these guys wrote this book and it didn't work. And it's like, if you go down that road, but yeah, I mean, it's better to buy Canadian oil than it is to buy Saudi oil. Let's talk, let's be real about that. Or Venezuelan oil. Like we have, you know, yes, it's just better.
0: My, my thoughts are on this sure. and I'm, and I'm super like naive to this, but my thoughts are, is every other major oil producer in the world is it's because it's like a, a national pride. It's like a national um uh you know uh, mandate for them to be able to be in that position as a you know resource provider we're here we're like Alberta will take care of it and we'll do everything else on our own I feel like the federal government isn't as involved in what they should be involved in as they could be that's my perspective
2: yeah and and, to, and it's funny because actually Jean Chrétien brought in um you know, he was one of, like, these were partners in the original L.S.A.N.S. projects, right? So so it wasn't even, like, at the time, it was, like, actually a big liberal initiative, um, which people don't know, which is kind of funny. Um, and then, you know, to be fair to uh, the Trudeau government, they did get KXL done, right? So the twinning of, not KXL, sorry, uh, TransCanada, TMX. So, you know, the the feds came in people will say that they created an unhealthy market environment. So they had to come in. Nonetheless, they came in, they bought the project. It is getting twinned. Um, Kinder Morgan pipeline is now going to be twinned all the way out to, you know, to BC. And that was a necessity. And they did actually, they did step in and they did get that done. What so I will. A, yeah. So it, so it meant that the pipeline, sorry, the pipeline was already in existence, right? So basically they just Run added. Beside it. It? Yeah. So it was, it was, the pipeline's already there. So it's an easy one for them to come on board with, right? Because you're not doing anything new. You're not like, it's already there.
1: You're ruining the same land.
2: Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> you're not ruining anything
2: new. It's right yeah, there. Yeah, well, and quite frankly, it's under. the same we don't people. even know about it. And pipelines are now the, like, by far the safest, cleanest way to transport the product. Like, yeah. otherwise, you're on rail. And... No,
0: no one wants that. Yeah, we need more ocean. Wait, wait, wow. This is
2: very like oil and gas focused. This guys. is very okay. oil and <laughs> gas focused. I, I love it. Yeah,
1: this is great. This yeah, is hilarious. Listen, this was, I'm yeah. not even
2: in the, you know, I'm not we, even we, yeah. in the industry. We need,
1: we need to get to your newest product because we're we're out of time. So why don't we talk uh, quickly about your newest venture? What you want to tell Grace. us about that? Yeah, so, oh, my, Grace.
2: my, yeah, my clothing line, which is kind of fun. I mean, I'm sitting here in like a, T-shirt, but uh, anyway, I um I spent 10 years as a lawyer and then have worked sort of in the upper echelons, right, of pol- like in professional services areas, and getting dressed as a woman was always a giant pain in the ass to look professional in a way that it wasn't for men, right? Like my husband would get up and throw on his suit, and he's out the door. Right. It was like Barack Obama had the, uh, you know, the white suit and the product or the white shirt and the product suit. They said, just don't change it. It was after the tan suit incident. And it was like and and there's this whole decision fatigue that goes into getting dressed in the morning. Right. Or making when people are looking at you and deciding. And when women are always looked at in a way that is different than the way men show up. And so there's this assumption sort of out there that all women are stylists and know how to like put themselves together and look really put together and professional all the time. And I was like, that's not the case. Um, So why don't we create something that's about giving women really beautiful, comfortable, easy to style clothes. So it's a bit of a modularity concept. So what we do is we make really beautiful mix and match separates that then go all together. So you buy, you know, once you get the blazer, then like, all of my pants and skirts will kind of match and pair with it. We'll give you blouses that go with it, but it's, but I'm still very focused on creating beautiful, incredibly comfortable product. So kind of had this idea in my closet one day when I had to go to a board meeting and I was like, why does nobody do this and this? And then I was like, Oh, we'll just do it. So I partner, I found someone who uh, she was a mom actually. And this kind of comes into sort of my, you know, why I love this sort of federal childcare policy and these kinds of things uh, who, had been working at Lulu and the gap and she was a product developer and, you know, she had two young kids and went and couldn't do the the kind of crazy hours that she needed to do with her husband still working. And she decided to start her own consulting agency. I hired her and then she and I, you know, traveled down to LA. We sourced fabrics. We created designs Um she and I worked with a designer that didn't work out. Then we redeveloped the designs and we created this and then found a manufacturer. Um, and she's, she's, you know, really helped me develop this entire project. And I've been sort of like creative direction, financing, building it up. And, uh, you know, she, it was interesting cause she, um, now gets to do something really fucking cool and still gets to work kind of part-time. Like, so we developed it with like her kids playing in the background, right? And like, she's sick and she has to go and, or the kids are sick, she has to go pick them up at 3 p.m., blah, blah, blah. But so often you get put on this sort of mommy track, right? And you don't get to do cool shit. You're like, oh, you're part-time, you're whatever. And, you know, what's great is now, like she's the head of product at a new startup and we're double it. Well, 2X in revenue every year over year right now. Um, awesome. even though I launched a fucking workwear work collection during a pandemic. So that was it. Sh- <laughs> <Yeah. laughs>
1: the timing could have been better, but it's the that's timing improving. could have been oh, better. Yeah, like,
2: that's, that's
0: the
1: improving. best time because it's yeah. so hard that when it's over, it's like, Whoa, this is easy now. Look what yeah, I built. Like People 20, are going to work yeah. wearing clothes like again. 24,
2: no. 24 boxes showed up on my doorstep February 23rd, 2020. Right. And uh, yeah. I was running it out of my basement and, um, nice. Yes. Yeah. Love yeah, it. So, right. so you must resilience. be like
1: me, like you, you walk around the house and you're like starting businesses on the way to the kitchen. Right. It's like, oh, I know
2: I'm yeah. a part of me is like, I really want to have like a whole, like, I need like a little team that I can like be like, yeah. you know, what we're going to do now, we're going to do this, this. this. Uh, you know,
1: what yeah. you need with the team, like this, like <laughs> money, money printing press. Right. Like, I know. The, like the I Bank know. Of yeah. Yeah. But listen, it yeah. was yeah. wonderful to have met you. You are unbelievably informative and interesting. Uh, and and entertaining as well so thank you so much for your time really yeah, appreciate absolutely. it it's great to meet you we will uh we'll put a bunch of links down below for everything that emma is working on currently
0: yeah uh, thank little you little shameless so plug though so how yeah. how can people order your clothing oh we Sophie have a lot Grace. of female listeners too yeah
2: sophiegrace.ca yeah so yes. direct to consumer be... so it's a yeah. direct to consumer we just launched our silk collection it's absolutely stunning um Yeah, we do a lot of, uh, we do, yeah, there it is. So, uh, and everything is meant to yeah, look phenomenal and feel unbelievable on your body. So that's what we're up to. And it's, uh, yeah, it's going really well. Women are really, lawyers are are some of our biggest fans as you can probably tell. But yeah, lots of cool shit coming down the pipe too here with us.
1: Very impressive. Awesome. Awesome. Very impressive. Wonderful to meet you. Thank you so much. I learned a hell of a lot. Holy cow. I, you know, it, it's, it's so amazing how in the same country, it's like there's different countries. <laughs> right? yeah. like it's so yeah. different. It's crazy. And the perspective is like insane. Like I, I guarantee you, if you lived here in Toronto, you wouldn't be talking about any of that oil stuff. And I guarantee you, if I was in Alberta, I'd probably be talking all this oil stuff all day yeah yeah right? totally like you, prospect, know, prospect, and you have to learn what your
2: mark and you have to learn what your market's about, right? I mean, sure. and the the one thing I will say is like I don't envy you guys right now because we've been through as a realtor. I've been through the downturns right and and um, and you know it will what will happen is there'll be a lot of people who leave the industry, right um and that if you are an we only have broker.
1: seventy thousand realtors yeah. here, so that. But I mean, if you're world. someone
2: who's in it for the long haul, if you are honest and straightforward and transparent, and and you don't make predictions, like we never make predictions. I'm like, I don't know what's going to happen. What I can do is I can give you all the information, and we can have a really intelligent discussion together about about what the best decision is for you right now. And I'm not going to ever tell somebody they're going to make money on a project or they're going to lose money on a project. That's not that's not my that's not who knows? None oh, that's, of us my know. that's my job.
1: That's my job. That's why I love not being a realtor because I can state an opinion and it doesn't affect me. And I can try and convince people that they're going to make money on my projects.
2: Yeah. It's a totally different, totally brain, different perspective. Right? Yeah. But totally I mean, the different- way to hang on to the way to be a great realtor, in my opinion, is to, is to, build those relationships out of trust and yeah. we are in you know, and the more information that gets into the market, the better, the more informed my customer, my consumer is the better. Cause mm-hmm. my job is to be a guide and not hide information from them, but to like really work with them on what is the best situation for them and their personal circumstances. And then what the mark, and what the market's doing and pair those things together.
1: I'm, I'm mm-hmm. glad you went there. Cause I had, I had a couple of real estate questions for you written down here. Oh, um, so- sure. But sure this is, I, I, well, I had two. So so, but that's a perfect segue into this question. So so, you have like this higher end boutique white glove kind of service that you're providing. And you're in a part of the country where, you know, you see some some pretty bad bus cycles that last a long time. And then, you know, we've got all these other things going on in the in the world right now. And it's a scary time, especially I would imagine in Calgary. But prices are going up. How Morally, can you be as a realtor in this environment selling people product when you know, and and I know everybody's situation is different and blah, 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 but like there's this overall fear out there. Like how do you, and I ask this to everybody, like how do you navigate that conversation with the clients and morally when you're like, fuck man, this thing is falling apart. This is a, this is bad news. And then it's like, yeah, let's go make the offer on that chalet up on, on the lake right now.
2: Um, so hang on, lost an earplug. Uh, I actually don't think it's that difficult because can you hear me? Did that disconnect or okay. Okay. Uh, yeah. yeah, sorry. Um, when people are buying a home, it's like, look, you've told me that you want to enter into the market and that you want to transact on a property. And so I'm here to help you do that. Or I'm here to sell or, or I'm here to, you know, sell and market a property into whatever circumstances exist. The circumstances are irrelevant to what my job is. My job is to make sure that I provide the right information, that I market the property as best that I can compared to everything else that is on the market, right? So I don't have, we don't have control over the market. What we do have control over is what our client's intentions are, what their circumstances, or what we don't have control of their circumstances. We have control over what information we give to them based on that, right? And then it's like, look, in Calgary, it's been, not about this investment property vehicle, right? And I think that's sort of been a bit of the difference. It's about, do you want to live here? This is a home. We're helping people buy and sell homes mostly, right? Um, Most people who transact are not investors, are not speculators, right? So if you're in a speculation business, like then that's your business and you better inform yourself as to what that is. And you're taking the risk of whatever that whatever that risk happens to be. Just like if I'm a banker and there's an entrepreneur and they want to take out a loan to do some crazy thing. That's not my problem, man. I'm going to give you the like, right? Uh, So I'm not saying it's not my, it's, you know, but my job is to inform you the best I can and provide you as much information and perspective as I can. And then you make the decision about, you know what? I want to live in this house because this gives me control over my life. I'm not going to be subjected to like being out there as a, you know, as a renter, I'm going to own this property. I know what schools my kids are going to go to. I know what my community is. I will have control over my living environment. And this is where I plan to build my, my home and my life. And so then it's like, look, if you want to buy this right now, this is what it's going to take. This is what the market condition is for you to transact on that property. Um, But I'm not going to tell you whether or not five years from now, that's gonna be a good deal. You're gonna have to make that assessment on your own about whether or not that's gonna be a good financial transaction from you. But from a life perspective, this might be a very good transaction for you. Maybe it is worth to you what, you know, the cost of potentially that going down because you've got your kids into the school that you want or you're living in the neighborhood that you want or you've got a commute that works for you or all of these like life conditions that come along with that. And I think that's, what's been the disconnect in the Vancouver and Toronto market is that it's been this sort of speculative thing where everybody's been thinking about it as this, like, as this asset investment, um, vehicle, as opposed to you're buying a home.
1: Maybe, maybe we should have it here where it's like, uh, you know, everybody seems, I I imagine most realtors want somebody to have a pre-approval before they work with them here maybe we should also have some kind of a a sign off from a financial planner or an asset manager where it's like, yes, they can get the mortgage. Maybe they shouldn't buy a house for 1.2. Like I think it's in their best interest to stay within this range uh, based on their circumstances. And then that package goes to a realtor and it's like, okay, like these guys can actually do this deal. They can afford this deal. They're not going to be in trouble if the market goes down 15% or rates go up. 4%, 4%, I don't know, I guess it's not so yeah. relevant in Calgary, but maybe it's, we need to-
2: Yeah, it, it really isn't, right? And you didn't have that sort of hype where people needed to make a decision in a moment and people were like, you're gonna lose this and you have all of the emotionality right. that then comes along right. with these things. And it's very, very difficult and I'm not gonna cast blame, it's very, very difficult. Like I actually think hot markets are way harder to operate in um, than the cooler markets, right? Like we have to work harder, in a cold market, like you have to work your ass off and you really don't have as much competition and it is, and only the best survive, right? Um, you can be a chump and survive, but, but it's difficult to do the right thing always for your clients. I think in the hot market or, or to feel like somehow maybe your client was best served, or maybe they get the best of them and they're in this heated space and they pull the trigger on something. And you're like, uh, it maybe if we'd had more time or there was less pressure around this for us to, think about it more, it would have been helpful. So, I mean, you know, I don't think that that the circumstances lead to that, but you try. And I think from a realtor being the best realtor you can be, it's about that idea of just grounding yourself in how you, how you choose to do business all the time. Right. And, and even saying to your clients, you know, and doing it in writing, like this is what it takes to buy this house right now. I do not know if this is going to be a financial transaction that will be to your benefit in the long run, right? Like, But this is what, and I will make no predictions on that. And interest rates could go up and you could get fucked um, or or whatever it is. But if you wanna buy right now, let's do it. And if you're on the sell side, right? It's like, look, this is the better uh, of, of the stuff that's out there on the market. This is the best stuff to buy. And if people are coming to you and telling you that they wanna transact, you know, I mean, I, I don't know. Do you guys still do dual agency there? Like, can you represent both sides you, of deal? You can,
0: deal? you can.
2: Yeah. See, I think yeah. that's actually, I still think that that's like from a lawyer perspective, I just think that's still bullshit. And I still yeah. don't, I, I don't like to do it.
0: I think we're the only not team in Toronto who refuses to do it. Yeah. Like, we have I a policy. It's, uh, it's like in our agreement, like that's, we don't do it. Uh, it's illegal in BC, obviously, you know, that, and yeah. uh, in Ontario, it's legal, and I I don't know anybody else in Ontario who would say no to it.
2: Yeah, I think it's uh, I think it's a really difficult, and I think it just puts you in a position actually that's not helpful in the long run, and I think it actually diminishes the realtor's uh, professional reputation, like from a 100%. policy perspective. I the biggest think issues I've better. seen.
0: I, we had a lady who had some issues, and long story short, as she was in a really bad position, and I remember talking to her as I as the story unfolds, I'm like. You went right to the listing agent, didn't you? And she's like, "Yes." And I was like, "How did I know?" Right? <laughs> like, it was yeah, so
2: exactly, right. Yeah. And you're just—I uh, think it's just—we. I think as a whole, the realtor community would be better off from a policy move that actually just—you know—it's very difficult to ask people to act against their—you know—you know—to say, "Don't do it." I mean, you and I have decided not—you know we generally don't do those things or I refer out to someone. I have, haven't right? done it in, in years. Like, it's like a policy. Yeah, it's we have like, it's, our like it's like, I'll refer this out to someone and it just goes out the door and that's it. Right. Yeah. And that's fine. Um, and then you can get it.
0: I make $0. I can't even refer. I make $0 on the buy side on any of my listings. If someone yeah. comes to me and says, I want to work with you only, I say, no, they get it. They get assigned to somebody else and I get paid not $1 more. So there's never going to be a a buyer where I look at them and go, oh, maybe we should take that offer because I I get paid an extra X right?
2: So what do you do TK in that circumstance? Like, do you, we have a big team?
0: You, so like, right. If someone okay. says, so I have no, I have no agent. I want to work with you guys. They'll never meet me or talk to me. They'll get assigned perfect. to another agent." Yeah.
2: They get, they get, yeah. yeah okay. So and like, I treat yeah.
0: that agent like I would anybody else.
2: Like anybody else. Okay. Yeah. yeah. And that makes perfect sense. Right. Yeah. And that probably, like you said, sets you up in this position where you just don't ever have to even worry about it. Right. It doesn't make it. It's always, those are always yeah. the files that get like nasty, right? It's always the ones where people are like, Oh, they yeah. question whether they got the fair shake,
1: right? Yeah. How, how I mean, did I lose that bidding war? I bid, I bid more than them. How did yeah. I lose that one? Yeah,
2: Exactly. it's, right? it's, yeah. it's oh, yeah, hold it on. Always... The guy
1: represented both sides. Ooh. Yeah,
2: I know. And you just like, everybody's like, it just leaves a bad taste in everybody's mouth. And that's just not good for us as, as the profession. Right.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Well. Let's wrap this up. I appreciate it, Emma. You've been fantastic. Um, we really, really, really uh, learned a lot from you today. Maybe we can get you on again in the future and uh, talk more. Yeah, it was fun and nice yeah, to meet I'm you I'm to
2: talk
1: forever. This was
0: yeah. great. Yeah, yeah but
2: talking's not my problem. Sorry. <laughs> no. Join the club. But
0: you're 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 enjoying your your time up. Uh, you know, or I'm not sure if it's up or down, but over at your uh, family's uh, chalet. So yeah, yeah. We'll, we we'll yeah. get you back we really to really
1: appreciate, appreciate the it. time. Okay. It was great to Bye meet guys. you. Bye,
2: guys. Great to connect. Thank you.